You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Hey guys, hope that you are having a good week whenever you're listening to this. Uh, We are starting a new series entitled Whitewashed Tombs this week. It's inspired out of the gospel of Matthew. There's this passage in Matthew chapter 23, and it says this. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He says, What do you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites? You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So the question that we're going to have to ask ourselves over the next couple of weeks is this, am I a whitewashed tomb? Have I positioned myself to look clean, but what is going on internally doesn't really match that? I think on on some level, we would all identify that we are, in one way or another, whitewashed tombs. So how do we battle that? And I think the answer is not simple, but the answer couldn't be clear. And I think it's this, is that we intentionally identify the inconsistencies in our lives and we do everything in our power to kill them. We intentionally identify the inconsistencies in our lives and we do everything in our power to kill them. This entire sermon series concept comes from those interactions between Jesus and the problems that he has with the religious elite. Jesus usually actually treated them harsher than he did, quote unquote, blatant sinners. For those of us who consider themselves followers of Jesus, it should be a really good reminder that that we have to be people who actually put our faith into action. That when we say that we have surrendered our lives to Jesus, we actually have to do something with that surrender. It's not complacency. It's acting in surrender towards becoming the people that Jesus has called us to be. This week, we're going to talk about one thing in particular, and that thing is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is defined as the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. We all know a hypocrite. We all think about a hypocrite. Rarely do we identify ourselves as hypocrites, but we all have a little bit of hypocrisy in our lives. And we also know that the people in our lives who we are like, man, they're a little bit hypocritical, aren't necessarily people that we want to be around. So why would we assume that people want to be around us if we are acting out in in hypocritical ways as well? I think hypocrisy is one of the most dangerous things facing the church today. Rarely do people have a problem with the message of Jesus. Often people have a problem with those who claim to follow that message. It's not Jesus that people have an issue with. It's us. I think there's a ton of verses. I don't think that there are a ton of verses. There are a ton of verses littered throughout scripture that warn us about being hypocrites, but I want to focus on a few specific ones. The first one is this Galatians chapter six, verse three. It's simple, but it says this. If anyone thinks that they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Hypocrisy takes so many different forms in our lives, and one way is this, and that is self-deception, self-deception. One of the things that we can get caught up in is 
lying to ourselves. It's not so much lying to other people, but it's lying to ourselves, convincing ourselves of untruth or allowing the enemy to speak lies into our lives and not combating those things, but using them as handles that we walk through life with instead of becoming people who are actively fighting against self-deception. I think self-deception can present itself in a few different ways. One would be this, denial. Way too often, we find ourselves in denial about how we're living our lives. It goes something like this, like, I'm not faltering as much as it seems that I am. Or it's not as bad as it really seems like it's doing. Like, yes, there's, it's causing pain in my life and maybe even the lives of other people. But we become people who, who live in camp in denial. And that is one of the ways that we self-deceive. It's one of the lies that we are willing to accept in our own personal lives. A second way that we participate in self-deception is minimization. We say something like, well, compared to how I could be messing up, this is pretty innocent. I'm going to minimize my sin, and in turn, I'm trying to make it look like I'm not sinning at all. Like, well, in the grand scheme of things, like, this isn't that bad. I'll never forget the season of my life where I had a, a really big struggle with pornography in my life in high school, into college, and... um I would always say, well, like, at least I'm not sleeping around. Like, at least I'm not sleeping with actual people. Like, I'm just completely objectifying women on a computer screen, not objectifying women in my own personal life. And I would look at people around me and, well, I'm not, at least I'm not doing that. At least I'm not sleeping around like they are. At least I'm not getting drunk every night like they are. At least they, uh. And so in the process of my minimization, I was actually comparing my sin and magnifying. So while I'm minimizing my own sin, I'm magnifying the sin of people around me to make me feel better. And that is an incredible act of hypocrisy. We are not people to minimize our own sin and in turn maximize the sin of other people. And we've all been there, but we have to be so, so sure that we're not participating in self-denial or self-deception by minimizing our own sin. And the third way that we participate in self-deception is this rationalization. We would say something like, given my current situation, it's actually a pretty understandable thing that I would be sinning in this way. Like, well, you know, all of this is going on, and so I'm coping by by participating in this release or this act or this thought process or whatever it may be, whatever sin we're caught up in, we find ourselves in a place where we rationalize our sin away. We would say, well, I'm wired this way or this situation that I'm currently in is causing me to do this, and I think that it's okay. But a truth that we have to understand is that God didn't wire us for sin ever, not as a coping mechanism, not as a stress relief, not as anything. God did not wire us for sin, and God did not wire us for hypocrisy. I, please hear me as I, I'm walking through this. Like I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to anybody else, and none of this is to make us feel guilty. We all have a little bit of hypocrisy in us, but what we have to understand if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, especially if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, is that our humanity will naturally bring us to hypocrisy. Our humanity will naturally bring us to hypocrisy, but Jesus will supernaturally bring us to holiness. May our words line up with our actions. May our lives never, ever be a barrier to people trying to encounter a loving Jesus. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. 
It says this, it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the next point this week is external hypocrisy external hypocrisy. There are going to be hypocritical things that can be seen, and there are going to be hypocritical things that cannot be. When Jesus is speaking here in the Gospel of Matthew, he's talking about these religious elite who desperately want everyone to know how religious they are. We all know people like that, right? And at times, we have all probably been people like that. Like we, we post uh, a quote or us doing our devos on our Insta story and we're like, I want people to think that I just, I love Jesus so much and, and I want them to know how holy I am. And here's the rub is that there's this incredible balance because people should know that we love Jesus. So maybe we should be posting to our Insta stories and maybe we should be posting to our social media accounts and letting people know and vocalize our faith all the time. It shouldn't be a secret. So in the pursuit of making sure that our faith is not a secret, how do we not become Sadducees and Pharisees who want people to see how religious they are? And I think it comes down to one thing, and that's this, motivation. We have to check our motivations. It isn't so much about what we're doing, but why we're doing it. It's not about what we're doing. It's about why we're doing it. If we are only doing something so that we are seen by others, that is hypocritical. But let us be people who are doing it because he sees us, not because other people see us, but because he sees us and we are being obedient to the calling that he's placed on our lives. And because our our end goal, our motivation isn't for people to know how much we love Jesus or isn't how how much um, how religious we are, but how much we love Jesus. It isn't to focus on how good we are, but how good Jesus is. That's the motivation that we are always pointing towards him. Mark chapter seven, verse six. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Hypocrites is brought up a lot in these conversations that Jesus has with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's a little bit of a theme, right? As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So we talked about external hypocrisy. Now let's talk about internal hypocrisy. In a lot of ways, this can also come down to motivation without a doubt. But a truth that is really hard for us to come to grips with is that our actions and words can absolutely line up without our heart being in tune with Jesus. Our actions and our words can absolutely line up without our heart being in tune with Jesus. Essentially, what this means is that we can be people who are hypocrites to nobody except ourselves and Jesus. That we are not hypocrites to the world around us, but internally we understand how how hypocritical we are. And if we think that Jesus can't point out the hypocrisy in our lives or can't identify it, we are kidding ourselves. You see, there have undoubtedly been seasons in my life where my actions are good and the words that I speak to people are full of grace and love. And, And so my actions and my words are identifying me as somebody who is faithfully following Jesus. But at the same time, in those exact same seasons... My heart is resentful, my heart is bitter, and my heart is 
angry at my situation or my circumstance or my relationships, but, but just because the words that I speak and the actions that I take look like I'm in tune with Jesus doesn't mean that my heart and my spirit are in tune with Jesus. That is internal hypocrisy. We want to make sure that what is happening externally is matching what is happening internally. And what we really, really need to understand is that if internally we are in tune with Jesus, then the, pr- the, the production of fruit that is happening externally will also be in tune with Jesus. We have to be people who are willing to do an internal audit on a regular basis and make sure that we start with the foundation of our heart and our spirit being in tune with Jesus. Our goal cannot be just to look and sound like a follower of Jesus, but it's actually to follow Jesus in obedient surrender. Okay, so now we have a baseline understanding of, of some ways that, that hypocrisy comes up in our lives. And I want to end the conversation by looking at a couple practical ways to avoid being hypocrites. Jesus often looked at the, these religious elite because they held others to standards that they were not willing to meet themselves. So how do we avoid being like them? And the first way that we do that is to focus on Jesus, not on others. Something that we often forget is that it is not our job to dissect the lives of others. And I think it can be this can be a two-sided coin. We aren't called to negatively dissect people's lives. This is just judgmental and literally what many of the Pharisees and Sadducees did in their time. They they would just look for the blemish in the lives of other people and then they would hone in on that and they would point to that and they would use that to guilt people into sacrifice at the temple. They would guilt them into giving more of their their funds, their finances, their their um, their produce, their their livestock, all of these things, they would use the blemish in people's lives to guilt them into being, quote unquote, more religious. But as followers of Jesus, would we understand that it is not our job to judge people? It is not our job to negatively dissect people's lives, to point out the blemishes in their lives. Our job is to make disciples. Our job is to point people towards the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And if people reach that point of obedient surrender, then 100% they're going to be like, yeah, there's some things in my life that I need to change, but it's not our job to judge people's lives. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. A verse that many of us who grew up in church know, but if you have not heard this before, this is this is like a baseline, like this is how you act to people verse. This, this this is one that we should be hanging on our walls. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's this plank in your eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We have to be people who avoid judgment and focus on Jesus and understand that he is renewing our lives, that he is doing something amazing in our lives, all the while trusting that when people surrender around us, when people say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life, that he's going to do a renewing in their life as well. We are not the renewer. Jesus is. We are not the person who brings conviction. Jesus is. We, we, we in relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we can have conversations about things that we think that we all need to work on. But would we understand that we don't live from a place where we're like, okay, well, I'm going to hold you to these standards and I'm going to point out the speck of dust in your eye, but all the while I have this incredible hypocrisy happening in my life. Let us avoid that like the plague. The second side of the coin is this, is avoiding being people who obsess even positively over the lives of others. So as we're dissecting people's lives, like we don't dissect them negatively, but we also don't dissect them positively in a way that we obsess over them. You see, 
we have to be, yeah, we can learn from people. Absolutely. No question. We can absolutely learn from the lives of other people and we should. But what I'm having to come to grips with on a constant basis, I have all of these people in my life that, that are people who, who are like my, my personal pastor, like Nate, or I have people whose books I read, podcasts I listen to, all these things. And what I have to understand is that I am not a disciple of Nate Petzl. I am not a disciple of John Mark Comer or Preston Sprinkle or Craig Rochelle or any of these people. I'm a disciple of Jesus. And if I obsess over the lives of other people, instead of obsessing over the life of Jesus, I'm creating idols in the people that I admire. Even people who are following Jesus, like they are good people to follow. And if they're pointing me towards Jesus, like I should be following them, but not more than I followed Jesus. We need to make sure that we focus on Jesus, not on others. At the end of the day, we avoid becoming hypocrites by putting our hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. The second way that we avoid becoming hypocritical Christians is this, is that we be quick to extend grace and forgiveness. People are broken. We have to actively fight against being people who ever expect perfection out of them. We are broken. We have to actively fight against the idea that we need to attain perfection ourselves. So we extend grace, we extend forgiveness, and then we happily accept it ourselves. We extend grace, we extend forgiveness, and we happily accept it ourselves. We have to be people who are quick to extend grace and forgiveness. What we need to understand is that we are forgiven in the middle of our imperfection, in the middle of our imperfection. We need to forgive people even in the middle of their imperfection. That's how we avoid hypocrisy is that we say, wow, you're doing this thing that you know is wrong, that I identify as wrong, and I forgive you for it right in the middle of it. I don't need you to get to, to point A or point B before I forgive you. We're just, we're just here. We're just here in the middle of our imperfection, and we're going to be people who are willing to forgive one another. I want to end with one of my favorite passages. It's found in the Gospel of John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. It says, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple. This is Jesus, where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses. It commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. So this is a really interesting part of this. If you grew up in church, um, you've probably seen the image of Jesus like drawing a line in the sand. He's just like making this really clear statement. Like, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. Me and this, this woman are on this side. You are on that side. But if you look at this and he, he's writing in the sand, some people... We don't know. We don't know what Jesus wrote in the sand. Like, I'm not going to say here, like, this is what he was doing. But some people have have actually uh, made this this thought or had this thought that, that he's actually writing the sins of the people who want to stone this woman. Like, he's looking at these men who want to stone this woman, and he's just starting to write the sins that they have committed. Can you imagine, as, as you are casting judgment on somebody, Jesus just being like, oh, yeah, you want to play that game? Like, here's what you did last night. Like, you want to throw a stone? Here's what you did. So... Jesus bends down and starts to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, only until Jesus and the woman were left. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. That's powerful stuff. 
Our acceptance of forgiveness and in turn our extension of forgiveness is a beautiful representation of following Jesus and being a little bit more like Jesus. As Jesus is speaking to this woman, he says, I don't condemn you. You you aren't condemned to hell. You are forgiven. You are loved. And I hope you accept that forgiveness. Now, it's not just that. It's not just you're forgiven. Now he's like, go and live. Don't live in sin anymore. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart, go forgive some people. Our acceptance, our acceptance of forgiveness, and in turn our extension of forgiveness is that beautiful representation of Jesus, of following Jesus and being a little bit more like Jesus. And Jesus was never a hypocrite. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.